Hello, and welcome to Human Rights Unscripted, a podcast from the American University Washington College of Law that takes a deep dive into the human rights field through candid interviews with professionals, professors, and students. I'm Abigail Rosenthal, and I'm here with my co-producer, Sydney Larson. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Human Rights Unscripted. Please note that today's episode contains discussion of sexual violence and incest. Listener discretion is advised. Today we are joined by Mr. Darren L. Doma. Mr. Doma provides legal counsel for the Ministry of Health of the Republic of Liberia and serves as a legal advisor to the Maryland Oil Palm Plantation and the Kavala Rubber Plantation in West Africa. He holds a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology and a Bachelor of Laws from the Lewis Arthur Grimes School of Law at the University of Liberia. During the Ebola virus crisis in 2014, DOMA led a team of social workers and psychosocial counselors to provide emergency humanitarian services to residents of Monserrado County in Liberia. He is involved in providing pro bono legal services for indigent people, and he is one of the drafters of the new public health law of Liberia, aimed at providing health care services for all. As a Humphrey Fellow, DOMA is interested in public and global health and human rights and the establishment of a war crime court for Liberia. Mr. DOMA, thank you for joining us. It's truly a pleasure to speak to someone with your extensive experience. For those of our listeners that are unfamiliar with Liberia, would you mind going into a little bit of background on the country and the human rights situation there? Thank you for affording me the opportunity to be here with you guys. Liberia is situated in the west coast of Africa. It was founded by free slaves from the United States who uh, protested against being slaves in the U.S. and they were resettled in Liberia by the American Colonization Society in the 1800s. They uh, met the indigenous Liberians and the both groups from what is today Liberia. Liberia uh, constitution, Liberia's flag, and many of its institutions are modeled after that of the United States. The human rights situation in Liberia varies uh, from different angles, different aspects, uh, including rights uh, protection issues, including access to justice, including political participation for all, as, long, uh, as well as health-related rights. What was your experience growing up under the Civil War? <sighs> it was horrified. I didn't have a child who I didn't play as a child. The war started in 1990. I might have been probably around five, six, seven years old. And just add 14 years to that age. We, we managed as display, internal display, uh, moving and removing from one community to another. 
I became a refugee for like three years in Guinea. It disturbed and distorted my entire childhood, my primary education. I'm among the few persons who, after the war, was able to start school at a very older age and to be what I am today. But there are hundreds of thousands of young Liberians who were child soldiers, who also didn't participate in terms of being soldiers, but didn't have the resources, the opportunity, the courage to go back to school. Today, they are burdened to society. They are unable to take care of themselves. And they are just messed up, which is not even their fault. Most of them are criminals today. Most of them suffer from extreme mental health and psychological issue because of what they experienced during the war. And they didn't get the proper rehabilitation, counseling. And today, the aftermath is in Liberia. In a capital city, in some communities, you cannot walk alone after 3 p.m., 4 p.m. Somebody's going to snatch your, your valuable items away. So it's terrible. A messed situation up. The girls, they were raped. They got those children whose fathers are unknown. Some of them are ashamed to point at the father for their children. It's terrible. And yet everyone is sitting allowing us to continue to grieve in this form and manner, this is unfortunate. This is really unfortunate. So talking about the rule of law and um, the judiciary in Liberia, what are your thoughts about some of the movement right now for a war crimes tribunal? There are two school of thoughts relative to... Uh, to the aftermath of the Civil War. One group believes uh, we should have a peace conference. The government should say sorry to the citizenry for all of the atrocities, the human rights violations, the pains and suffering the women were forced to undergo because of the war. And of course, another group is advocating for the establishment of a war crimes tribunal to prosecute those allegedly responsible and believed to have committed egregious human rights violations. And uh, um, among and a part of those persons or those advocates who think people who have committed war crimes uh, war crimes and crimes against humanity in Liberia should, should face the rule of law. As you may have heard, our neighboring country, Guinea, just day before yesterday, there was a coup. The military leader overthrew the president. It is of concern. We don't know yet how it is going to turn out. But I'm using Guinea as a case study because 
Guinea also had its own taste of the world. But if we have persecuted those who may have brought war in Liberia, our neighbors will be skeptical as to how to take up arms to unseat a democratically elected government. So, Liberian Civil War, according to the uh, to the TRC, the, the, the TRC is the, is the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that was enacted by legislature to investigate uh, the outcome of the war or the actions of the war and to identify those who may have committed egregious human rights violations to also recommend to the national legislature as to the way forward. The TRC lasted for pretty close to three or four years thereabout. They conducted investigation, and the TRC findings established that there were individuals who the TRC considered are people who committed egregious human rights violations. There were over 350,000 people killed. There were women and children that were raped. Women, according to the TRC report, as old as 85 years old, were asked to have sexual intercourse with their sons, their brothers, and stuff like that. The war lasted 14 years. Two years into the war, five Americans missionaries were slaughtered. And it's a public document. I'm surprised, yet up to now, the United States has not done much to, to fight for its citizens. Those were missionaries who have gone to Liberia to just help provide humanitarian services. One of which was a principal from the high school I graduated from, the St. Michael Catholic High School. She was slaughtered. And her only crime was, was for her to have left California to have been to Liberia. So the war itself did not only affect Liberians directly, it affected all those who were associated with Liberia. And what is very much disgusting is that the very alleged perpetrators are today national leaders. They are the ones who make political decisions, and they continue to support the system with corruption, bad governance, and yet nothing is done. That's bad precedence. We need a situation to prosecute those people who may have committed those crimes against humanity to set as a precedent. 10, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, for an individual to think about taking up arms to unseat a democratically elected government, he or she would have had second thought because he would have read the consequences of what happened to those who did it for the first time. I know it is challenging, for example. I know the technicality, the rule of law, the court's issue. Our law, the Constitution of Liberia, uh, provides for the Supreme Court being the highest court in the land. And constitutionally, you want to wonder what, what class you're going to place uh, a war crimes court tribunal. But then, like it happened for Sierra Leone, 
You don't have to have the court seated in Liberia. So you could have the court seated in neighboring country. But that, that court doesn't interfere with the jurisdiction of the Honorable Supreme Court of Liberia. It happened for other countries. And it could happen for Liberia. So, in as much as it is difficult and it looks challenging, it is also not impossible. We can all mobilize our resources, our ideas, our strategies, and fight for justice for those people, and fight for justice for the next generation. Where would you like to see the court established? Is it important that the tribunal would stay in Africa? Whether or not it is in Africa, I think, firstly, it is important for those who may have committed human rights violation not to even step around political leadership. The court may be seated anywhere. Mm-hmm. For accessibility, the court may be seated closer to Liberia. We have neighbors, for example, Sierra Leone, who prosecuted our former president. And Charles Taylor was found guilty for aiding and abating the war in Sierra Leone. He was sentenced to 50 years in jail. So I am sure Sierra Leone will be a preferred venue. It may not only be Sierra Leone. You could have the court seated anywhere else. But the matter remains that the court must be established. The fact that the whole world is closing its ear to the cry, to the plea of Liberians who have suffered as a result of the war, and nothing is done here. It's about 18 years since the war came to an end. What is the world waiting for? Are they waiting for another outbreak for them to come with humanitarian services? Is that what they're waiting for? Are they waiting to come and support international uh, institutions to provide food? Is that what they're waiting for? Do they understand the emotional outburst of people who have suffered as a result of the war? People need to see the outcome. People need, need, need to see the alleged perpetrator facing justice. That's going to promote democracy. That's going to promote the rule of law. Henceforth, anyone who may want to venture into UCM have to have a second thought. But if nothing is done and the very alleged perpetrators continue to loot the country, continue to make political decisions, then that's terrible. We have had our former president, Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, a Nobel laureate, being president. For 12 years of her presidency, the present government was in opposition. They were championing the established, the call for the establishment of a war crimes court. Today, they are in power. When you talk about the establishment of a war crimes court, they will be referred to why 12 years ago the previous government didn't do it. The very people who were advocating while they were in opposition are the ones today who don't want to hear about the establishment of the war crimes court. And yet the world is watching. It's unfair to the, to, to the ordinary Liberians. Why do you think they changed their position or it was no longer pressing when they were in power? I think it's because of political reason. There are few elements 
in a country who play major parts during the war have got a very strong political constituents. Also, for example, there's a particular county in Liberia, we are divided by county. There's a particular county that's called Nima County. The senator from Nima County is believed to be one of those who, who led the war. He's on camera uh, murdering the previous president. He video recorded himself when he was doing some of those things. When you just go on the internet, you will see him. Because his county is probably the second most populated county in Liberia. And he uses his war rhetorics to his people who look up to him for leadership to say, I save you during the war. I kill a lot of people who were against you. So every time he derives, his constituents were to vote. And that county, for the past uh, 15 years, has decided who becomes president in Liberia. Our previous uh, uh, president, Madam Ellen Johnson Salib, was in political bed with him. She's out of the picture now. President George Weir is also in political bed with, with him because he has a constituent that has a, and that's a vote-rich area, and he detects who becomes the president. So nobody wants, nobody who wants to remain in the presidency is willing to open up for the establishment of a war crimes code because they, 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 in my opinion, they want to remain in power and they depend on this region so they don't want to allow the establishment of a war crimes code because I am sure he's going to be one, one of those first persons that may be invited for questioning just in case we have got the situation of a war crimes code. So the push for the court needs to come externally because of all the political conflicts within Liberia. Yeah, I think that would be a better strategy for the court to be external. What do you think are the next required steps to motivate the international community to kind of take an interest in prosecuting these crimes? I think we need to increase our voices. I think we need to meet the rightful people. I think the world needs to hear that there are people in Liberia who wants prosecution for those who may have committed egregious human rights violations. I think people have forgotten about Liberia. The world, the world may have forgotten about Liberia. So we need to mobilize like we are doing here now, we need to, to disseminate the information. We need to elevate the discussion. We need to spread the campaign. Let the world go wild across the globe. Because those calling for the establishment don't have the capacity. Right? To the extent, we may not have the technical capacity. So we are only uh, mobilizing and let people see the need to come and provide some of those capacities. The U.S. has been very supportive in some instances. I've heard uh, 
conversation in Congress about developing strategies. I've heard hearings in closed session, developing strategies. But it's been 18 years since then. How many more time is going to take for us to develop these strategies? The time is now. It is about now. We cannot wait any longer. Do you think that the um, court or the legal process is the main way that Liberians are going to heal after this war? The court will be the main way. But logically, when people feel overpowered, overpowerful, and there is something to subdue them, it brings relief to those who don't have that much power. Today, they are powerful politicians. The people look at them and feel afraid to even say what I'm saying. So if a court could be established, and some of those people are prosecuted, if the court exonerates them, that's fine, that's justice, that's, that's adherent to the rule of law. But those people who feel aggrieved, and when they see the perpetrators being prosecuted, it's going to bring a form of internal healing. It's going to bring their cases to rest. Whether or not they are convicted, they know that those people are standing somewhere and they are answerable to their alleged misconduct. And that's the rule of law. And we need it. So, after the prosecution, those who are going to be guilty, they should be guilty and sentenced. Those who are not guilty, they should be acquitted. Following that, we can all sit as a nation then and talk about peace talk and talk about reconciliation and talk about a way forward. But you cannot walk into my home, you rape, and then the next day, you become a landlord for that home, and then I look at you every day as my landlord and you manage the affairs of that home. You have that, you, 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 you live a kind of life that has no remorse for your actions. And then you expect to just come and say, oh, I'm sorry for what happened that day. Yeah, you're sorry. But you have to be accountable for what you have done, for your action. This is where I think human rights lawyering mm -hmm. is very important. Because we need, we need to explore all of the avenue. We need to push the system to the extent that people are accorded justice. This is not about corporate lawyering. This is not about the money-making aspect. This is about advocating for people who cannot advocate for themselves. This is important. The women, the children, the society as a whole, the vulnerability, the culture of impunity, continues by those who have already damaged the country. What do you hope that people listening to this today will take away from this conversation? For those listening, I'm hoping 
that they could freshly go back to Liberia, read about Liberia, follow the trends, the political trends in Liberia. They will understand exactly what we are going through. For those listening, I want them to join the advocacy. There are, are people in their network. There are people who has political connections. There are people who have diplomatic connections. There are people who have legal connections. People who have technical connections. Talk to them. Join your voice to our voices to advocate for the establishment of a war crimes tribunal in Liberia to bring the to bring an end to the culture of impunity. It must start now. I want to say that is possible. I want to say the culture of impunity breeds hatred. It divides a country and it's a recipe for the recurrence of civil conflict. I'm, re I'm, I'm very much aware of the legal constraints and technicalities associated with the formation of the War Crimes Code. Mm -hmm. But as a scholar, I just also believe that those who don't want it have the power, have the audience, have the list, I mean, have the space to go and present their cases. And they will obviously present the situation that will be uh, marketable, mm -hmm. that will be acceptable to the audience. Some of us who want the establishment of a court may not have the audience or the proper audience. So our desire to see justice is not being heard around the world. Those who want who don't want it, they have the resources, they have the connections, and they're using it to their advantage. And it is at our disadvantage. So it's important for you, for me, and those of you who are listening to join the fight for the ordinary people, the women, the children. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. They need you. They need you to just spread the message. They need you to just talk to someone. They need you to just provide a pro bono legal service to people who are advocating for the establishment of a war crimes court. Thank you. And thank you so much for sharing what is a very powerful and personal account of your experience and the experience of thousands of people like you in Liberia right now. Thank you for affording me the opportunity. Uh, I'm optimistic that uh, this message is going to go across and action will be taken as a result of what you have done for the people of Liberia. Thank you for listening to the people of Liberia. Right. Thank you again for joining us, Mr. Doma. It was a pleasure to speak with you. You're welcome. Thank you.